No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Lord, we ask that as as the word is preached and as the word is received, you will write it deep on our hearts so we will know the Lord, know you more deeply and follow you more closely. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So our passage this morning gives us the final words in a sermon that Jesus once delivered. A sermon he stood up and gave. It's this second half of uh, Luke chapter 6. And what we'll come to see is this. Here at the end of this sermon that Jesus has been giving in Luke chapter 6, it's as if he answers two questions. It's as if he anticipates... The people who've been hearing his teaching may well have two questions kind of being kicked off in them, two questions that are coming to their minds as they've been hearing his teaching. Question one, the question that appears as if people are bound to ask themselves, having heard this teaching from Jesus, is, Jesus, who can actually do this? This teaching you've been giving, what kind of person would actually be in a position to obey you? Question two, second question that Jesus' words here at the end of the sermon seem to be uh, showing that he thinks there's a question being kicked off in people. The second question is really a basic one. Uh, It's very basic. So what? What if I don't obey all this teaching you've been giving Jesus? It's tough teaching. What if I don't obey it? What would be so wonderful if I did obey it? Who can do this? So what? What what if I don't? What if I do? That's what Jesus is answering in our verses at the end of this sermon he's been delivering through the second half of Luke chapter 6. So what is this teaching that he's been giving in this sermon that he's commenting on towards the end? Well, we've already heard some of it um, in the all age thought a little bit earlier. And I think you've been having a series of sermons in recent weeks through this sermon of Jesus in Luke chapter 6. He's he's preaching to his disciples. He's preaching to those who are already in some way following him. So verse 20 of Luke chapter 6 says, he delivers this sermon, verse 20, looking at his disciples. This is what Jesus wants to say to those who are already in some way identifying with him. 
They're people who are not just interested in religion, gone beyond just thinking, well, the, the church is a jolly good thing in society. They are starting to put, well, to put Jesus, not just God in general, but to put Jesus front and center in their lives. And Jesus' teaching to them in this sermon is basically love. Love. Love your enemies. Verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who will treat you. You can kind of imagine people hearing that, can't you? Really? Love? Love my enemies? Yes, says Jesus. But no one does that. I mean, no one really does that. Well, well, you're right, says Jesus. No one really does. Of course, except one person, and that is God himself. He says that halfway through verse 35. He says, If you love your enemies, your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. You be merciful just as your father is merciful, that verse we were reflecting on earlier. God was merciful to us, wasn't he, when we were his enemy. By nature, all of us were wickedly opposed to God, ungrateful to him for his many blessings. And every Christian knows that is true of them before they were a Christian. It would be true of us if we were outside of Christ. But God loved us even when we were his enemies. So you, says Jesus, you love your enemies. Love your enemies. And then as the sermon goes on, then he directs Christians' love somewhere else too. He says, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor, verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Love your neighbor by, by ripping out of your heart every little shred of critical spirit towards others. So that what comes from you is not judgmentalism, but, but, but love that forgives and is merciful. Love your enemy, love your neighbor. That, says Jesus, is the way of life for my followers. And in light of that teaching, it's, it seems kind of natural, doesn't it, that he would end the sermon by telling us who can do this. Who can actually do this? Not just on a, day, on a day when you're kind of feeling full of the joys of spring, overflowing with the milk of human kindness, but, but do this. Love your enemy, love your neighbor, and do it persistently. Do it consistently. Who can do this? Jesus' answer to that is what comes in the first part of our passage, verses 43 to 45. And Jesus' answer is, in the way he puts it here, someone with a good heart. Someone with a good heart, they can love like this. Someone with a heart that is full of good things, they can obey Christ. Only good hearts obey Christ. That's what he says here. Only good hearts obey Christ. 
What he's saying here is not difficult to understand. Let me just read again from verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I am no kind of gardener. We have a lovely gardener, garden at home. It's entirely my wife's doing. Even I get what Jesus is saying here. You probably do too. Maybe you go to the, um, the pick-your-own-farm in the summer. That, that seems hard to visualize, doesn't it, on a cold, foggy day, but it will come. Maybe you go to the pick-your-own-fruit-farm in the summer, and what you want is strawberries. So what you do is you follow the sign that says, strawberry plants this way. What you don't do is jump into a patch of brambles to see what you'll find there. Maybe we'll find some strawberries. Brambles don't do strawberries. Strawberries do strawberries. Strawberry plants plants push out strawberries. Why is that? Well, because you're going to tell here, I'm absolutely no kind of plant biologist, but deep in the stem of a strawberry plant is kind of strawberryness. It just is strawberry right in the heart of it. So it's strawberries that it pushes out on the outside. There's the illustration. Now comes the lesson for us, verse 45. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. This is true, isn't it? If someone at work the place where you work, if they just have a habit of cutting other people down with a sharp tongue. Maybe someone, is at, someone else has, they have hit all their targets, they've gone beyond all their targets at work, and everybody's kind of telling them how well they've done and how brilliant this is, and this other person just comes out with, yeah, but what about all the other times they blew it and we all had to cover for them? And this is not a one-off. This is the kind of bit of stuff that just keeps coming out of this person's person's mouth time after time after time. Maybe sometimes they even apologise. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, I take it back, I'm a nice person, really. But what are you going to conclude about this person on the inside if what you keep hearing is bitter stuff coming out? If evil is what comes out then Jesus says here, evil must be what is in. So if good is to come out, if good is to come out of our mouths, come out into our lives in our actions, then good has got to be in, hasn't it? It is only a good heart that can obey the tough teaching that Jesus commands here. Only good hearts obey Christ. Many of you will know the Bible teaches this all the way through. Here's just one example. Back in the Old Testament in the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel was preaching the word of God to God's people. And here is what God says to Ezekiel 
about the word that Ezekiel is preaching. I'm reading from Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31. God says to his prophet, My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Now comes a really, really sharp little image. God says, indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, they enjoy hearing them, but do not put them into practice. When God's people were like that in the day of Ezekiel, what did God say he was going to do? Well, in what follows in Ezekiel, God says that he is going to intervene. He is going to step in and he will do a work in his people so that they can obey. God will do something that will turn them from not just hearers, but now also into doers. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. How will the people move from being listeners only now also to doers of the word of God? God says, I'll give you a new heart in place of your old one. I'll give you a living heart in place of your dead one. So here's the thing that I want to say to believers in the Lord Jesus from these verses back in Luke 6, verses 43 to 45. A new for old heart. A heart that is alive to God rather than dead to him. The very thing that we need inside of ourselves if we are ever going to obey Christ, the thing we need inside of ourselves, if Christ's words are actually going to have an impact and change us, and so we will do them so they won't just bounce off us like raindrops bouncing off concrete. That new heart, is that not exactly what Jesus gave you? Is that not exactly what Jesus did inside you? when you first repented and put your trust in him. It is, isn't it? I think of, um, of a couple I know who um, have recently come to repent and put their trust in Christ. In a sense, it's been pretty undramatic. It's happened over the last couple of years. It actually started by uh, watching church services online and responding to the message and slowly turning to Christ as they began to come, come to church in person. One of them said to me, and they were describing what had happened, I think basically what they were trying to say is this. He said, my life is about Christ now. It always should have been, and now it is. Well, there's the evidence of a new heart, of a living heart, of a heart that is alive to Christ. So it's really a simple thing I want to say to believers from, from this first part of our passage, verses 43 to 45. The, the good heart, the only kind of heart that can obey 
Christ. The heart that he needs to create in us. Believers, we have that. You have that. Christ gave it to us. He did that deep spiritual work inside of us on day one of you being a Christian. Perhaps, though, our problem is that it can feel like in the midst of life we kind of know this is true and we also kind of forget it. We can kind of forget that this is true of us, I think, for a whole series of reasons. I've seen people become Christians and in the early months they experience a kind of deep surge of love for Jesus and maybe then a year or two in it can feel like it's wearing off and they look around and life feels to them like it hasn't changed very much. And they wondered, was I just having a kind of religious sugar rush that was nice while it lasted? But it will just have turned out to be a bit of a religious blip I was going through. Is is that it? I think that for other Christians, this, this kind of forgetting of the work that Christ has done in us, that can kick in a little further down the road. They've been a Christian for a long time. Christ did this spiritual work of a new heart in them long ago. It's as if they've almost got so used to it that they don't notice it anymore. Like um, Maybe like some glorious old piece of furniture that you have at home and you just kind of don't appreciate it anymore because it's just always there. But the truth is, whether someone has been a Christian for one year or 51 years, if the truth of them is they no longer use their words to cut down others when they feel this person opposes them, if their deepest instinct when their tongue does lash out at someone, their deepest instinct is to mourn over their disobedience to Christ and to seek his strength in loving their enemy. If that is you, well then the first half of verse 45 just says who you are. You are someone who bears good fruit, who can bear good fruit, who must go on bearing good fruit on the outside because on the inside Jesus has created a new and a good heart. What kind of person can love their enemy? This kind of person can, says Jesus. A a good heart can. I said that was the first question that this... um, teaching from Jesus in this, in this sermon, love your enemies, love your neighbour, the first question that he kind of anticipates that people might want to ask, who can do this? But then he ends the sermon by, it seems to me, answering another kind of question that might be kicked off in someone by this teaching. And maybe this is, I don't know if this is the right word, maybe this is kind of even a little edgier. So What? So what if I hear this tough teaching and think, that's too hard, I don't want to do that? What would be so marvellous if I did obey this? Here's Jesus' answer to that. He says, only good hearts who obey Jesus stand firm. Put the same thing another way. Good hearts who obey Jesus, they are the only ones who survive the only ones who stand firm, the only ones who survive. 
let's get our minds around how he, how he says this. Verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? He says, and do not do what I say. Here is where human beings are not like strawberry plants. The, um, again, look, I'm no horticulturalist, but I think this is true. The only thing strawberry plants can push out is strawberries. They're, they're kind of limited that way. They do, want, they do it quite well, but they do one thing. Human beings are different. A human being can, can pour out talk of God. They can wax eloquent on how marvellous Jesus' teaching is and how much they try to live by it. But then you hang around with them for a little while and you start to think, Do you know, I think talk is all this person actually does. Actual obedience to the serious commands of Jesus, love your enemies, no critical spirit, I don't see much of that. I'm, I'm hearing a lot about strawberry, I'm not seeing a lot of actual strawberry. But so what? What if someone is really like that? Are they, are they kind of in the clear? Because at least they're talking about Jesus, which might seem to put them further down the road towards God than a whole lot of other people. Well, here is Jesus' answer to that. And, and again, understanding what he's saying, actually understanding it is probably not going to be our problem this morning. He puts it as clearly and as powerfully as you could want. Verse 47. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Last year, my uh, wife and I had a few days in Cornwall and we were in this little village called Boscastle. And I think we were, I think we were saying to ourselves, I think we remember the name of this place, Boscastle, from the news some years ago. Wasn't there a flood here? And we looked it up and yes, there was. The 16th of August, 2004. In the hills above Boscastle, a month's worth of rain fell in two hours. The river through the village rose two metres in one hour. 20 billion litres of water. I don't even know what that looks like. 20 billion litres of water surged through the village in one afternoon. Mercifully, no one was killed but six entire buildings just collapsed when the torrent hit and were washed out into sea. That, says Jesus, is a picture of the fate of someone who hears me and doesn't do it. However many times they hear my teaching, however lovely and warm they feel on the inside when they hear my teaching, And this, this torrent that Jesus talks about here, what is that picture? Well, the big thing it pictures is the judgment that Jesus will bring on the life of every single human being. 
That judgment may come the moment after our death where we meet Jesus. It may come when he returns, if we're still alive in that moment. But it will come to each one. The warning from Jesus here is direct and powerful. And that is because he does not want the people who need to hear it to miss it. Here is the big so what. If someone kind of nods along to Jesus' teaching Sunday by Sunday, wouldn't it be wonderful if more people lived like that? But they themselves don't do it. Don't put it into practice. Their tongue is as sharp as it always was against their enemies. It's as sharp as it always was in a critical, unforgiving spirit. Then what Jesus says to them here is, when the torrent of my judgment comes and strikes your house, in a single moment you will collapse. Your destruction will be complete because it will turn out you had no foundation. If the Lord is showing anyone right now that this is you, what is the way forward? Well, can you see from what Jesus said in the first part of our passage, the way forward is not, okay, I'm going to try a little bit harder to love my enemies. I'll try a little bit harder to speak more nicely about people. That is not the way forward. Why? That would be like going up to a nettle and saying to yourself, I'm going to try and turn this nettle into a strawberry plant that will produce strawberries. I don't think that's going to work. It's just window dressing. It doesn't change the inside. Because as we heard Jesus say, the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. So you can see the way forward, can't you? Jesus has already given it to us in verses 43 to 45. The way forward is to him in prayer. Jesus, I want to follow you with my whole life and not just my lips. So Jesus, please will you give me what I need? Give me a new heart that loves you above all else. I want my heart to be, as it were, full of, stored up with you, Lord Jesus. A good heart that will produce good fruit. And many of us know, don't we, that is a prayer that Jesus loves to answer the instant you pray it. But now just in my remaining few minutes, I I want to speak to a different kind of person. I want to speak to someone who, who is certainly a Christian, but who is maybe feeling that as regards the teaching in this sermon, love your enemy, love your neighbor, you have a sense that you have been going backwards and not forwards in obeying this teaching. You feel as if critical words, condemnatory words are coming out of your mouth quite a lot most of the time. You're a Christian, so these sins grieve you. You're seeking repentance and Christ's strength, but you find the teaching in this sermon unsettling. What is Jesus saying here to someone who is a Christian? That is feeling that as they hear the teaching in this sermon. Let me summarize what he's saying here to you at the end. Three things. First thing he wants to say is, take on board the warning. There is a warning here at the end, not to give up and just 
decide now to go with the flow of the sin that is troubling you. To settle comfortably in that, to persist in it and persist in it. Those could become the signs of someone who is building a wobbly building that has no foundation. Second, take on board Jesus' words here as a reassurance. To respond by seeking repentance, to respond by seeking Christ's strength to put these sins to death. Those are the very marks, are they not, of someone who is building their house by digging down until they hit solid rock and saying, I will build there. I'm going to build a life that will survive. Survive the storms of this life. Survive the torrent of judgment to come because I am building on Christ. And third message to someone who is feeling like this. The way forward, we know this, don't we? It is not try harder, not just that. To go forward is to go down. Go down to the foundation. Go down to what you have actually decided to build your life on. And what is that? Well, we know what that is, and it's not a what, it's a who. It is the Lord Jesus. He is our foundation. He has given you a new heart, a heart oriented to him, a heart shaped to love him above all else. So if the teaching from Jesus in this Luke 6 sermon has troubled a Christian, if they were to sit this evening reading through the whole of this sermon again and have a sense of, I am too much hearer but not doer, then what Jesus says to that person in these closing words is, the life I command here, love for enemies, love for neighbor, that life comes in the end not from you, but from me in you. Roll this thought around in your mind and in your heart. I loved you when you were my enemy. With that thought in your heart, now you pray for your enemy. Your father showed you mercy when you deserved none. With that thought in your heart, you go and show mercy. I've given you a new heart, a heart that directs you to me. So fill up your heart with these thoughts of me. And out of that storehouse, bring out, you will bring out the good treasure of obedience. And when the torrent comes, your life will survive. It will stand firm. Let me give you a moment of brief quiet just to pray, as is right for, the, for you as the Lord speaks this word into your life. And I'll close with a prayer in a moment. Lord Jesus, we need your help in these things. Write these words deep into our lives, we pray. May we build on the only foundation that is solid, the only foundation that will last, and that is you. You at work in us, believing, trusting, and living out all that you say to us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. As the musicians come up to lead us, we're going to stand to sing our final hymn, which speaks very appropriately of the church's one foundation.
Jesus Christ.
a final prayer. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.